0: All right, everyone, our passage this morning comes from Isaiah
1: 36, 1 through 3, 11 through 20, and then 37, 1 through 7. So, this is a little lengthy passage. And I'm going to ask of you this is a passage where, like some Old Testament passages, um, we can get caught up in a bunch of words that are going to be even difficult for me to say, even after practicing them this morning, and get caught up in, like, oh, that's really weird. Don't miss the richness of this text. And so don't get bogged down with, well, Kevin, really, you messed that word up or <laughs> something. Um, but listen as I, as I read this from Isaiah. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, Simon, of Asafi. the recorder, went out to him. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we, uh, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. But the commander replied, Was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things, and not to the people sitting on the wall, who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own system until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says, The Lord will deliver us. Have the gods of any nations ever delivered their lands from the hands of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Shep Arve? Have you... Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who are all the gods of these countries? Who of all the gods of these countries have been able to save their lands from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? In chapter 37. when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary. And the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Hamas. They told him, This is what Hezekiah says This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God and that he will rebuke him from the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says, Do do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings, the underlings of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword.
0: That's some scripture. Anybody that's like their favorite passage uh, from Isaiah. Uh, That's like the one, uh, the one that's like right before that in 36. We love that one come Advent, and it's like. or thirty-five. When you get thirty six, you're like, I don't know what's going on. This is serious Bible stuff. So uh whew. Yeah, they might get any of that uh pumpkin cake out there? Some of that fudge. My grandma made that fudge, so um anyway. Eat it and be thankful. So uh right now, um In Germany, there are people living in a forest. I know, I know. You guys didn't know it was coming this morning. But it's true! It's true! Uh, there's this, uh, so in Germany, right, they're like already ahead of the game in many ways. Uh, you know, they have pastries everywhere and they're they're fairly green. but uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks actually. They're setting a, gonna set a final date for the end of coal use in Germany. It's gonna happen sometime in December. Uh, but there's this uh, famous old ancient forest, uh, Humbach Forest, uh, and uh, that's actually owned by this coal mining company in like Northwest Germany. And uh, they're they're still wanting to like rip down this forest, even though it's like, hey, we're obviously ending coal here. And, uh, and so uh, people have been biking like 25 miles from all directions and for six years now they've been occupying this forest in northwest germany uh, in a very innovative, in innovative way they've, they've built uh, tree houses and moved into them and uh, anyway uh, i mean because if you're if you're going to resist right tree houses is the way to go uh, I'm just saying. But um, anyway, the the police have recently been coming in with chainsaws and whatnot and it's getting pretty ugly, but uh, they're actually in the process of rebuilding treehouses right now. Uh, Yeah, resistance. Um, Many of you probably saw uh, there's a big movement going on right now uh, called either Extinction Rebellion or Rebellion Extinction, one or the other. And it started in the UK, and yesterday they had what they dubbed one of their rebellion days. And there were thousands of people who came out yesterday in London and squatted on almost every bridge in London and just sat there for the day to sort of speak to their political leaders Uh, there, like, saying, we've got to do something about climate change. Uh, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Glad it didn't happen when we were in London, but it's (laughs) a pretty cool thing. Uh, Re- resistance. Uh, right. uh, I'm going to recap this text a little bit this morning, and uh, not reread the whole thing because we wouldn't make it. But um, yeah. No. But uh, so in, in verse uh, in chapter 36, right? There's this there's this threat of captivity captivity, right? The Assyrians, uh, bad dudes, right? They're they're flooding in. They're taking over. Uh, it's a fairly ominous scenario, right? And uh, and so you that's sort of like this this um, this context right this this sort of imminent takeover that's happening here uh, now in Jerusalem uh, right and it says um, when the king of Assyria sent his commander so that the king of Assyria sends his commander out and King Hezekiah of Jerusalem sends like his delegation to meet him you know and the kings never gonna, like come face to face or anything but they have there's this sort of powwow of the delegation that happens there. Uh, and it says, and the king of Assyria sent his, uh, field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem, uh, and this verse 2 continued, when the commander stopped, uh, at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field, uh, and they powwowed there. Anyway, there's a little bit of spot context, because three decades prior to this, King Hezekiah's, uh... Daddy, uh, King Ahaz uh, had met with um, some uh, the Armenian threat in this very spot, and it was in this spot that Isaiah, 30 years earlier, had said, "Hey, stand firm in your faith, right uh, against uh, against the Armenians, And, and and basically don't turn to." Uh, the uh, 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 Assyrian power uh, brokerage right to, for, for help, um, but, uh, but alas, Ahaz chose to, ironically, uh, lean on the, the military power of that time. He had made sort of a cohesion with uh, Assyria. And to sort of like battle his way out of that conflict. So, ironically, now his son, if you're tracking, King Hezekiah is back here. And um, the Assyrians now are uh, coming to take over. And uh, and we didn't really get into that part of the text. But it basically says that King Hezekiah was trying to make buddy-buddy with Egypt for help. And once again, Isaiah's like, uh, stand firm, stand uh, in your faith. Uh, interesting. So there's sort of a, there's sort of a little bit of history going on here. Uh, so this commander is really threatening and he's really taunting uh, the people there. And, and by the time you get to verse 11, it says, uh, then Eliakim and Shebna and Joah, uh, the Hezekiah's peeps, uh, said, hey, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it, don't speak Hebrew, so basically um, for the uh, elites, right, they would have spoken these two languages. They would have spoken like this this one dialect uh, of Assyrian that they would have sort of understood between themselves. Uh, but the commander coming from uh or whatever his name is, army, right, I'll suck at that name. Uh, anyway, uh, he's speaking in Hebrew. And so basically what's happening is everyone uh, who's who's kind of all the Israelites are sort of overhearing all these just ominous uh, threats that he's throwing down. And so they're like, hey, well, can you just talk to us and not talk to everybody because you're wigging everybody out? Uh, and uh, anyway, so we'll jump in at like verse 12. Uh, the commander replies, was it? Was it only to your master and and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the people sitting on the wall? Who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? You got you can't make this stuff up. The Bible, y'all. Okay. I mean it's I mean, this sounds like a bad way to go down. You know, like if you're gonna go down, like this is this is one of the more rough ways. Um and so it's safe to say he's, like, painting this really grim picture of, like, look, if I to come over there, this is what's going to have to happen, you know, uh, kind of thing. And so uh, the field commander for Sennacherib is taunting away at King Hezekiah's delegation. And they're like, shh, we don't want everyone to hear. Uh, and so, verse 13, then the commander, uh, in response to this, stood and called out in Hebrew, right, i.e., so everyone can hear even better, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in Yahweh, your Lord. When he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be handed over In the king. Verse 16, do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. Come out to me. Literally, it says, make a blessing with me. And then each of you will eat fruit from your own vineyard and the fig tree and and, and drink water from your own cisterns until I come and take you somewhere else. And then you'll have a land of grain and new one and bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says, the Lord will deliver us. Man, I mean, he's just poking the bear there, if God's a bear, Uh, which, you know, I don't know if that's theological, but correct. Have the gods of any nation ever delivered their lands from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Haman and Arpa? Where are the gods of Sephiroth? And have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries have been able to save their lands from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Man. So, there's some serious threat going on, right? There's this invasion. They're getting overrun. Uh, What's interesting, it says that uh, the commander comes from uh, Lachish to there. Like, that's where he's sent from. So, the siege, there's this thing called the Siege of Lachish, or, or Lachish if you want to Google it. And um, uh, basically, it's like a famous uh, thing, a moment that we, that we know about uh, through several points in history. And if you go to the Brit- British Museum today, there's all this uh, basically like hieroglyphic sort of style stuff that, that's there in the British Museum today from the siege of Lachish like, and it's uh, all these images of just people being drug away uh, into captivity and these corpses being impaled and all this really graphic stuff right uh, and, and that's literally what I just had like, like the commander is being sent from that spot and now it's like Jerusalem's on deck uh, right and uh, so there's all this, this violent stuff that had been happening and, and now they're running into Jerusalem and the commander is basically like hey uh, get real Uh, give it up Uh, we win you lose like new game uh, right is there an alternative Uh, who about of all these gods have been able to uh, be delivered from my hand right Uh, how then can the lord deliver jerusalem uh, from my hand so and again anytime you see lord right capital l-o-r-d right we're talking about yahweh we're talking about a specific god we're talking about the god of the people of israel right And he's calling them out. So, this is a very sticky situation, right? What to do? What to do? What to do? Um, I mean, do you resist a a power like Assyria? Um, How does that work out? Um, Who here this morning um, feels like they could resist something? Anybody feeling just like... You know, strong this morning. I think maybe we could do some arm wrestling up here. I have tennis elbow, so this is not going to to go well. Um, what do you guys think about when you think about something that is irresistible? I I, I think I think irresistible irresistible is one of those funny terms in our time. Because it's like, uh, other than like a two like WWF wrestlers coming in here and holding you down, like when we think of like something that's irresistible, I, I feel like we more like think about like snacks or something, <laughs> you know? Like uh, it's almost like it's a term we either use for like comedy or like marketing, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, it's like, oh, this is irresistible, right? And and it's like, it's like, I could not. Eat this thing, but because I'm an American, I'm free. Like I will eat this thing, but I don't have to because I can resist this. Yeah, no. So this is what we talk about. We talk about something that's irresistible or things that uh, like, that we can't resist. And so, um, I mean, do we ever say no to anything? I mean, really? Uh, how much, how much resisting, uh, how much resisting do you find yourself doing on a daily basis? I guess what I'm saying is, there any resistors in here? Wow, gosh, we going to work on this. So uh, anyway, so if you guys were uh, on uh, Facebook recently, uh, you saw that I took a poll, and uh, and now you're gonna want to follow me on Facebook. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, yeah, and and I said uh, something along the lines of "What's what's your most irresistible snack?" and and people came back with all sorts of stuff. Uh, I'm trying to remember what some of the stuff was. Uh, Obviously, donuts, Uh, pie is a big one. Uh, I know Zach's, uh, that's pie is always for Zach, right? Pizza, fruit, fruit, salad. I'm still a little questioning. Uh, fruit salad. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe fruit cake. Maybe bourbon fruit cake. But fruit salad. Lasagna, spaghetti, dark chocolate, dark chocolate covered almonds, chocolate covered nuts were a big one. I thought that was interesting. Uh, oatmeal cream pies. Uh, this is a good one. Frito flavor twist. I have single-handedly <laughs> taken in a bag of these things. I mean, they're kind of small anyway. Actually, I appreciate this. This is like, this is like yeah. straightforward, no <laughs> nonsense. Like this, kind of, this kind of stuff has got so much air in the bag. This is like, hey, there's stuff in here. Uh, so uh, anyway, this is, this is some good stuff. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Uh, Cheddar uh, and sour cream, um, goldfish, uh, some good ones. Uh, these things, um, and these things are like crack. Uh, and it's in glass, so like that's one hundred percent recyclable. So like I'm all, I'm all over that. You know. Uh, so um, yeah, there uh, are things who are, that are, are irresistible. Um, you know, it's funny, I, we, it's like we almost live in an age of non-resistance uh, to irresistible irres- to things. Non-resistance to resistible things, right? And we call it irresistible vulnerability. What? Yeah, it's okay, just mirroring it on. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's like there's lots of things uh, that that we call irresistible mm, that are maybe actually resistible. Uh, right? Uh, I think it's part of this sort of like instant gratification uh like thing that we're in. Uh you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like you're 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 hungry, uh uh get a snack, right? Um you're you're thirsty. Like get something to drink. You need you need like a, a caffeine high. Uh, you know like go go get some go get some coffee. I'm just gonna put that right there. And uh, you know um, you you need like some a dopamine hit. Check your Facebook. Uh, you know or your Instagram. Whatever your whatever your thing is. Um, you know it's like it's like what is. There's so many cravings, right? Fruit Loops, whatever that is for you. Pies. Just gonna put those right there on the tray. I have to just stick, I have to just stick these in front of Laura, just right there. And uh, let's see here. This is actually one of the more ethical ones. Endangered species, dark chocolate with 80% cocoa. I'm just gonna leave that right there. And actually, in the bottom uh, is my irresistible thing, which is just a pillow. And, uh, because uh, talk about instant gratification. You're tired. We'll take a nap. This is our culture, right? Uh, need a little GMO. Pick me up. You know. Where's Ryan? You know, need a coke? You know, that guy's got a soft drink problem. (laughs) Tired? (laughs) Take a Benadryl. That's what Benadryls are for.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know,
0: (laughs) resistance is just like not our game in America, at least, right? It's just, uh, it's just not the thing that we're like, you know, super great at. Um. I love the options that the commander seems to give the people in this story, right? Are you talking? He's like, okay, uh, here's your options. Um, eat your own excrement and drink your own urine, or <laughs> you can eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern, right? Uh, grain new wine, you know, urine uh, you know, options, options, right? He's, he's really selling it. Um, But it's interesting, right? If if the siege of Lachish has taught us anything, right? He's really selling it. Uh, Right? Um, Resistance. Are you with me? Um, We're talking about Advent. It's coming up in a couple weeks. And I feel like this is the first year we've ever really Advented Advent. Uh, You know, like we're really really selling it, you know. It's like Advent as those four weeks leading up to Christmas where we anticipate Christmas is coming. Right, and this this year we're like Advent's coming, and so then Christmas will come. You know, we're just we're, you know, and i have like getting more this year than I've ever seen in my life. It was like Halloween was over, and it was like November first, and all my friends are like putting up their trees, and and their lights are coming out like I'm, i I've never seen it in this quantity before, at least for millennials. Uh, and uh, anyway, I, and 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 I'm not gonna lie, I have a little. Problem with some of it. And I guess I gotta be honest with you guys because if I'm not honest, then you know what are we even doing here? But um, you know, and, and it's one thing if you're a pagan celebrating Christmas, you know, like lights, Christmas tree, you just you just go all out. I don't care. But if you want to call yourself a Christian, right? I mean, November first, first of all, November first. That's a whole nother Christian holiday. <laughs> uh, you know, that's All Saints' Day. If you want to put up a tree on All Saints' Day, they're going to be like heads of saints on that thing. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, but 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 Advent doesn't even start until four weeks later, right? And then we're like, you know, we're supposed to climb into it. I think I think even if we're talking about Advent, I think Advent itself, uh, in our culture, to participate in Advent is resistance. At least I think um, this this struggle, right? Uh, like I desire to do something, and I'm going to wait to do something I'm desiring to do. Like, You know, I'm not just gonna go do it or beat it or grab it or put it up. I'm just gonna wait. You guys remember disciplines, like from back when, like. Praying, fasting, giving, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like an art. It's like a lost. Like, it's like I feel like they're going to do a new Indiana Jones where he discovers disciplines. You know. uh, It's going to be this long. Uh, hopefully, Shia LaBeouf is not in it. <sighs> so, yeah, that was, was <laughs> <tough. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> really helpful. In, in our house, we're currently dealing with. Uh, our youngest daughter, daily, um, always wanting a snack. And it's, it's, she is, it's so hard too because she's so cute, right? And she's like, me so hungry. Me want a snack. Me so hungry. You know, and it's a little bit like a cute Jar Jar Binks, I guess. But, um, me so hungry. And anyway, and it's just hard to turn down. Uh, And she looks at you and you're like, gosh you know but we're trying to discourage like the constant gratification i mean she's gonna be three soon and just like snacking all the time and eating all the time and and i gotta be honest like she probably gets it from me because i do it too but i also finish all of my meals you know and so like the key to being a good snacker is just eat more you know if you finish all your dinner and still are snacking well that's fine you're just hungry all the time you know you're a big person but, um, but she's just always, uh, you know, and so we're trying to invite her into the struggle of, of waiting, right? Because, oh, we're going to have a meal soon. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to do your parenting if you have kids. But I'm going to tell you something about how to do parenting. And uh, sometimes, sometimes you just need to let your kids cry. I'm just going to throw that out there. Now, maybe not if they're like newly born, they're probably trying to tell you something like, hey, feed me, mom, or something. But, you know, but but in general, uh, like at some point, you know, man, what would happen if we just let our kids cry a little bit? Right. I think some people are struggling today. Because they were never allowed to struggle yesterday. Are you with me? Uh, what does it mean to be have uh, the space to teach things like how to resist? To, to dance with resistance. Right? Um, so the commander's like... Give it up, right? What do What do we do uh, when Assyria comes, and this whole thing just really feels inevitable, right? Give it up. We win. You lose. Done, right? Like, where do you Where do you go from here? Um, what What feels inevitable for you this morning, uh, for us, for you, for the world, right? I feel like we, we live in a world that speaks in languages like inevitabilities, right? Try to just tell us what's inevitable, right? Uh, uh, climate change, right? Inevitable. War, inevitable. Starvation, inevitable, right? People without homes, inevitable. Oceans filled with plastic, inevitable. Right? Coral reefs dead, inevitable. Then it gets personal, right? Uh, Your addiction, inevitable. Marriage isn't inevitable. Abuse, inevitable. Right? Death. Inevitable. I think if we find ourselves living in inevitabilities, we find ourselves in hopeless captivity. Captivity in Assyria! Inevitable. Right? Any of this feel familiar this morning? Any of this feel just darkly familiar? Brazil now faces a real problem. Uh, Brazil just elected a a new president. Uh, I'd say his name, but I'm going to butcher it: Jair Bolsonaro. And he recently came into office, and and anyway, he's doing some stuff. And uh, Brazil could face, some say, potential genocide, uh, because of the kinds of things he's selling uh, or saying. He wants to sell off and profit from what's left of basically the Amazonian rainforest uh, and the jungles. And so even though it's home to native indigenous people who've always been there, actually 13% of the land in Brazil is supposed to be protected indigenous territory in the Amazon rainforest where uh, most of the world's last uncontacted tribes actually still live. Uh, And so, but uh, he's made a pledge, right, to sell off the, the rainforest home to agribusiness and mining and et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, he said, in quote, Uh, minorities have to adapt to the majority or simply disappear. Can you even say that stuff? Right? I mean, I know you can say that stuff in America, but you say that kind of stuff in Brazil about the rainforest? Irresistible? Inevitable? Inevitable? Uh, I mean, that's tough. It's It's like... It's like national gentrification on like steroids, uh, right? Low-income households being removed from their place to live because wealthier people are moving in. Inevitable. So in verse 16, uh, it's interesting. In verse 16, the commander literally says, uh, in the text, he says, come make a blessing with me. This is interesting. This is like an idiom that's like not really found anywhere else, but they're just sort of guessing it at what it means, right? Uh, so He takes this term, Barak, blessing, and that we normally hear of, like, God blesses Abraham, uh, you know, but uh, it's sort of like this totally different context. But but here, the commander's like, come make a blessing with me, right? He's taking this, uh, uh, this takeover and he's putting, like, high fructose corn syrup on it, right? you know what I'm saying? And he's like, come make a blessing with me, right? Uh, it's it's very sinister, right? Uh, isn't this how the empire likes to take over, right? Come make a blessing with me. So we get to uh, chapter 37, and a quick recap. So Hezekiah hears this from his peeps. He tears his clothes, uh, like you do, uh, if you're back then, and uh, he deeply laments, uh, right? And, and he just mutters out the words, pray for us, Isaiah. And Isaiah responds and he says, Yahweh says, the Lord says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Typical God response. Are you with me? Like, I feel like that's what God is always telling us through Scripture. It's like, could we get something else this time? Uh, yeah, do not be afraid, God. Don't you realize how ominous this is, Lord? Don't you realize how how big Assyria is? Don't you realize how like they're wanting our blood? Uh, do not be afraid, uh, he says. Um, there, there are many powers that have their boots on our backs. And they want to say to us, this is the only way forward. This is the only direction that you can go, right? assimilate or die so which is it going to be assimilation or death because these things are inevitable right uh, what's interesting is that here in Isaiah um, they've actually survived some some violent moments and and as we read the story we realize oh they weren't taken into captivity this time so, oh that's 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 actually cool. Like this actually if you keep reading the text, supposedly all these angels come down and there's a battle and they make it out and it's kind of crazy. Um, and, and so Isaiah makes these promises, he says, God will cause the ferocious emperor to retreat by instilling a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and hence return to his own land and the and then the prophet prophesies that this emperor will, will fall by the sword in his own land, almost suggesting like what we know know too well that right, if you live by the sword yeah. Out of the sword, right? Um, but then, if you keep tracking with the Bible, we're wrapping up here. If you keep tracking, right, and we get to I, we get to Jeremiah, like next week, and what happens to Jeremiah? Right? Oh, they actually do go into captivity. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, what was all that back there when we didn't go into captivity? Because now we're in captivity, right? This is bust, Lord. Uh, you know, what was all that do not be afraid stuff about? Uh, Sort of interesting. Uh, so, to wrap up our thoughts today, uh, we almost have to rewind. Uh, this morning I'm going to go to chapter 2 in Isaiah, and it's in your handout. Um, it's part of our lectionary this morning. Just try to gain some context. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest above the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Man, prophet bomb, right? Such good words, right? According to the prophet, uh, God is the one calling the judgments. He's the one settling disputes, and the people—they're busy taking their weapons and 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 making them into plows and pruning hooks. Right? I mean, it's crazy, right? This vision for this new world—people are more concerned with cultivating food than they are producing weapons. Right? I mean, what a cool like contextual vision uh, and for understanding everything that's going on here. In Isaiah right and so this vision in Isaiah 2 right God is held up as a God who seeks justice and peace right instead of teaching nations how to make war he teaches them how to live together right I mean it's it's pretty awesome how to share resources and find nonviolent solutions and, and build tree houses and stuff right and save planets. This vision challenges people with a vision of the future that is that is beyond what we can imagine this morning. It's a vision that that has a has a restlessness with resignation and the inevitable cycles, right, that happen over and over. Are you with me? You ever just feel resigned to inevitabilities. Like, this is gonna happen. Right? Isaiah's like has prophetic Isaiah gives prophetic imagination against resignation to the inevitable. I'm gonna say it one more time. I know you guys are fading. We're going long here. It's not my fault, it's the (laughs) lectionary. Isaiah prophesies against resignation. To the inevitables. What if this morning? What if our God is a God? And this is a crazy idea that I've got. But what if this morning our God is a God of uninevitabilities? <laughs> this is so good. You can't make this stuff up. Actually, I didn't make that word up. But, uh, but I'm pretty sure it fits. What if our God is a God of uninevitabilities? Someone say uninevitabilities. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I expect to see bumper stickers. The prophet stands and proclaims some other way. He says there is another way. There is a third way. Open your third eye. Open your imagination. See visions. There is another way to go. Our God has has never been stopped by inevitabilities. Are you with me? The only thing that is inevitable with our God is, is actually that uh, God is love. Isn't that cool? Uh, the, the, the only thing that is actually inevitable with our God is that God loves you. Right? Uh, I, love, I love the quote, right, that, God doesn't love you because you are good, but God loves you because God is good, right? I mean, put that in a stew and just like eat on that for like the rest of your life. You know, God doesn't love you because you're good. God loves you because God is good, right? Here's what's inevitable. Here's what you're powerless to do. You're... What you're powerless to do this morning is to stop God from loving you. God loves you, us, this earth, right? And and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what's inevitable this morning. That you are loved. That we are loved. And, And in the wake of the ominous, empirical takeover this morning... Whether we find ourselves going into captivity or not going into captivity, it's not about where we are, it's about whose we are this morning. And as citizens of a very different kingdom, we will use every tool that we have. We will transform uh, weapons into tools to cultivate a new kingdom, right? And it is in this love. That we are able to resist, and it is through this love, right, that that every that we can resist every irresistibility this morning, and it is in this love, right, that we are unafraid in the face of every inevitability. And so I don't know, uh, maybe what is ominous for you today, this morning what all you're dealing with um, in your heart or uh, feels a little ominous in your world, right? I don't know what the powers, uh, the boot on your neck is um, this morning. Uh, Actually, I want to do something fun to wrap up uh, this morning. Uh, For those of you with a snack in front of you, which should be about every one of you, I want to invite you this morning to take that weapon that is designed to harm us with its GMOs and its addictions this morning right? If there's something that's difficult to redeem this morning I'm going to say it's those doggone irresistible snacks I want to invite someone, whoever's just feeling irresistible uh, tug toward that snack. To just take that snack. And don't eat it. <coughs> but go make a friend with it. Go see if you can advance the kingdom with that irresistible snack this morning. What does it mean that in the smallest things, but also in the largest things this morning... Uh, that we are encouraged to be strong in the love of the Lord, right? That, that God's love will give us the strength to stand up against the ominous, the inevitable, and the irresistible this morning. It says, Do not be afraid this morning. Uh,
1: let
0: me pray for us. And we're going to invite the kids back in. Um, and we're going to have some more snack this morning something a little holy. Let's cry. Lord God, thank you for prophets like Isaiah You um, tell us many things. Lord, and if there's something uh, that we've heard God uh, may it be that you are with us and that you never forsake us and that you never leave us. Help us to stand in the face of every inevitability and every irresistibility knowing that you are God, you are our creator, and that you are so much more, Lord, uh with us and for us, God, and that your kingdom is coming in our lives in our city and our world this morning. Your name. Nice. Yeah.